What's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to Yerks Talks. Tuesday, December 29th, almost New Year's. That's exciting. What's even more exciting, though, is what's going on with the pod squad right now. Slam Diego. AJ Preller is trying to salvage this year. Again, just like yesterday's episode, we're going to get right into it. So, you Darvish from the Cubs, runner-up in the National League Cy Young Award. He's coming to San Diego, baby! Come on! I mean, this is insane. I, I don't I don't know if there's ever been a time... I mean, in, like, Padres history. Like, this is just such a good time to be a Padre fan, man. Everything's just finally lining into place. These next, like, few years here are just going to be incredible. I cannot wait to be back in that stadium with the fans. It's been tough being a San Diego sports fan. You know, you got teams leaving. You had, like, all, you know, people don't remember, but, you know, used to have an NBA team down here as well. And then football's gone now with the Chargers. And so, you know, Padres are all they got. And, you know, it's been, it's been you know, at least as, since I've been, you know, alive. It's been rough as a Padre fan's. But now, man, things are turning, and it's just fantastic. It's awesome. Oh, man. So we'll get into the Padre news with you, Darvish. We're going to talk about the Bills, who, I mean, they look like the best team in football right now. They are circling the wagons. That was a statement game last night against the Patriots. And we'll touch on New England as well and kind of what's next for them after the dynasty, you know, is now officially over. And then to end out this episode, we will... I will give my best uh, explanation of the playoff scenarios for week 17. Who, uh, you know, who needs to win? Who, like, who needs help? uh, Who's already a lock? Things like that. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Yerkes. A lot of pod squad stuff in the feed. uh, Other things like that. You can also follow... The podcast on Instagram at Yerks Talks. You can also follow on Spotify and subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Okay. Boom. Hand claps so you know we're getting ready to go. <laughs> you Darvish is a San Diego Padre. It's fantastic. He comes over in a, uh, I believe it ended up being a seven player trade when it was all said and done. So the Padres, they get you Darvish and his uh, personal catcher. Victor Caratini, a guy that was behind Wilson Contreras, you know, so didn't get a lot of playing time, but still a very solid catcher. I think he bat 250 last year, around there. Uh, uh, probably less than that. Maybe maybe, maybe, it might, maybe it was 205, but maybe, it got, maybe I mixed up the 5 and the 0 there. Anywho, he's uh, Darvish's personal catcher last season, and that, was, that turned out to be really good because Darvish, uh, like I said, finished second in the National League. In the Cy Young voting, he uh, in twelve games this year, he had an eight and three record, uh, just over two ERA, two point zero one to be exact. In um, in the seventy six innings he pitched, only fifty nine hits, only seventeen earned, only four walks, which is insane, and then ninety three strikeouts. So another ace, along with Blake Snell, this rotation is looking nasty. And that's not even considering 2022 when Sunshine, Mike Clevenger, comes back into the mix. As it stands right now, I mean, oh, it's incredible. We um, So we get from the Cubs 
Darvish and Caratini. In return, we send Zach Davies, uh, who was great for us last season. Going to miss him. And then four young prospects, outfielder Owen Cassie, shortstop Reggie Bricado, or Preciado. Excuse, if I'm butchering that, I apologize. Outfielder Ismael Mena, and then, and then, and then uh, I'm assuming another outfielder here. Uh, yes, Yason Santana. It doesn't say what position, but it says it lists outfielder above and then has has the two names. Um, it's a tweet by Jeff Basson, who's one of the insiders for MLB, and so I'm assuming that they're both outfield players. Uh, outstanding, man. So yeah, they get a lot of prospects in return and we get another ace to add to our rotation fantastic and a backup catcher as well uh behind austin nola and then our other young guy who uh, came up last year for a game or a couple games uh camposano so yeah it's fantastic um again i don't know a lot about prospects i know that there's a few you know there's big names that you get excited for that you hear you know through the grapevine or other things but uh, you know, it's one of the things that I I I'm, I don't know a lot of. Like, I mean, I, I it's not something I I again I just don't have the knowledge. Um, so I don't know if these players are like really good. From what I've been reading, um, the Padres have a top three. Well, I don't know if after this, but going into um, the off season prior to the trades we just made, uh, the Padres had a top three farm system or top two maybe only second to the Rays. And so based on that, these four players were at least like top 20 prospects in our system. So, you know, you're looking at pretty, um, like the potential to have really young, talented guys for the Cubs. But what I wanted to say and why I've loved these moves so much from AJ Preller and he, you know, tip of the cap to him is that when your team is built to compete for rings, which is, that's what we're doing now. I mean, these these next three to five five years, that's the timetable I'm thinking. Like, it's World Series or bust. That, like, that's what the management has shown. That's what AJ Preller has, you know, by doing these deals. It's like, we like the roster as is. We have confidence in the players. And so we just need to get over that hump, get, you know, try to beat the Dodgers. And so this move sing, signals that to me. And so, yeah, we're, we're hungry. We're going for it. And so when that's the case... You know, when your team is built to to win now, and you see it a lot in the NFL, um, you know, less so in, in, in Major League Baseball because their, uh, their minor league ball is just so much more, um, I guess, massive compared to the NBA. Like, you know, like the NFL has practice squads. There was the, um, I tried to get like the Arena League going, the XFL. That could be like kind of where you like that's like the minor league of the NFL. In the NBA, you have the G League, but in baseball, like you have single A, double A, tri- like it's massive. Like it's a massive pool of players, and so when it's just it's built like completely different compared to the other big like the other major sports. But when you have a team that's ready to compete now. It's kind of a disservice, well, maybe disservice is not the right word, but you're just hanging on to this talent. It's just in the wings, and it could be, like, way down the pipeline. We're talking maybe, like, you know, six, seven, ten years down the pipeline until those players really get a shot. 
I mean, because you look at the if you look at the roster how it stands right now for San Diego. All right, so you know you got Hosmer at first, you got J- Cronenworth or Kim who we just signed. Another, I mean, can't believe this. We signed Snell, Darvish, and Sa- uh, Ha Sung Kim, and I mean, just signing one of those guys would have been an amazing off season, and we get all three. I mean, it's just sploosh. It's incredible. So, you know, first Hosmer. Second base, you got Cronenworth or Kim, depending on, you know, what happens there. And then you have Tatis at short, then Machado, right, at third base. Then you have Myers in the outfield, Grish, or Myers in right, Grisham at center, and then Profar at left, or Tommy Fan can go there. You know, as the roster stands right now, I mean, the prospects are not going to be getting a lot of, you know, getting called up to the first team. You know, barring injuries and things like that, you know, Machado's locked down forever. We're going to sign Tatis to a long-term deal. I mean, those guys are everyday players. You know, they have rest days now and again, but they're playing a majority of all the of the games, right? So when you have all these prospects, when you have these great, you know, up-and-coming youngsters, if you're not going to immediately use them and, like, you know, see their talent, like, get call them up to the show and, like, see what they got because your roster is built to win now and you're so competitive, then it makes sense to use that asset to bring in more high quality players to make your team world series contenders. That's exactly what Preller did. And so I applaud that. Not everybody does that, right? You have the raise where they keep, you know, the money ball thing is working for them right now where, you know, they keep, um, you know, building players up and then selling them off for a fortune that's working and they're still being competitive, right? They're in the world series. Uh, but you know, not everybody's built like that. Some people don't, you know, that style, it takes, you know, years and years to finally get to a point where now you're like at the top and you're you can sustain that so i i I just love this i love what how preller did this and it feels like we didn't get rid of our key prospects that we wanted to hang on to and yeah i'm I'm just excited man slam diego just it's just awesome dude blake snell and you darvish crazy like snell darvish lamette Chris Paddock, and then Mackenzie Gore, who like is an, who's one of those prospects, right, that we were very excited about and we had to hold on to. Um, we also have a shortstop in C.J. Abrams people are, are pumped about. Luis Camposano, who I mentioned. And then Ryan Weathers, another lefty that came, that came out of the pen uh, last year in the playoffs against the Dodgers and, and pitched a one-and-one-third shutout. Pitched one-and-one-third shutout innings. I mean, so, yeah. We're excited about the future, and then, but I mean, right now the present looks very strong, and I cannot wait for this 2021 season. And I'm hoping that we are allowed to go to Petco and we're on this team. It is going to be electric, dude. I'm so, I'm just so stoked. Let me shift though to the other side of this trade, the Cubbies, right? So, like I said, they get Zach Davies. He's coming off his best season in the major leagues. First time he's had an ERA under three in his entire career. Now, obviously, a ton of less games, but he was still pitching really well. Uh, the Padres, like I said, I think they sold high on Davies, which is great. I don't know if he can have the same repeated success with this Cubs roster. Uh, a lot of Davies wins. Now, he did pitch well, but um, a lot of the time, the most run support I think any pitcher had this year uh, was Zach Davies. So that's something to consider. He, had, he won seven games last year. Or I, I think he actually won eight and four. He got 
So that gives you, he had a decision in every single one of his starts. So he was going late in games. Again, he was great. He was phenomenal. Again, with the prospects, I don't know enough to really make like a big take, but the oldest guy that the Cubs are getting is 20 years old. That gives you an idea. So these are two teams that are heading in different directions, right? The Padres are like, we want to win now. World Series are bust. And the Cubs, they look like they could be aggressively selling to get young impact players and and retool. Obviously, no Theo Epstein anymore. He stepped down. And they've already uh, non-tendered Kyle Swarber and Albert Amora, so they are both free agents. And there's also been rumors uh, since December that they're looking to shop Wilson Contreras as well. A very solid catcher, and that's a commodity that every team needs. So um, the other big catcher on the market is uh, Real Muto. So uh, he's a, uh, he would be a lot more expensive than Contreras. So you could see a lot of bids going in for him. The core, I think the reason why the Cubs are deciding to, you know, aggressively sell and retool and like rebuild is that the core three just haven't panned out. It just didn't work. Uh, so I'm referring to Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Chris Bryant. Uh, they've all been since that 2016 year where they won the World Series. Let's go, Cubbies. Came out. One, I mean, Game 7, Indians, Cubs. One of the best, if not the best game I've watched in my entire life. Oh, my God. Just the nerves. It was fantastic to win that game. It had a rain delay. Oh, it was incredible. But since that season, all these three, the three key guys have been trending, trending downwards. Uh, pitching has not been stable. Funnily enough, uh, one of the reasons they're kind of in this dilemma, um, they signed you Darvish, <laughs> which is crazy because like now the Padres get him and like he seemed to like kind of fix his issue. But when uh, the first two seasons that Darvish became a Cub, they signed him to a six-year, $126 million deal, about $21, 22000000 million per season. Uh, his first two years as a Cubby were awful. He was horrendous. First year, it was like almost a 5 ERA. Second year, it was ho- hovering towards a 4. This year, he finally figured it out. But man, um, that I think that's one of the reasons that you know they invested a lot. Like, what? how can we repeat the success? And they went out after they won the World Series and signed you Darvish. I was like, hell yeah, man, that's great. Uh, they didn't get the same pitching. The bullpen really struggled. That's when Craig Kimbo came in as well, and he sucked. And so, yeah, the hitting then started slacking. So now you know, Theo Epstein gone. It's kind of time to retool and rebuild. Uh, you, before the season starts this coming um, year, you could look at this Cubs team and not recognize them at all. There's a few, they'll probably hang on to a few guys. You know, they had a couple youngsters. Ian Happ is a name that comes up. He had a great season last year. Uh, but man, no Schwarber, no Albert Amora. These guys have been there for, Schwarber's been there for six years. Albert Amora, same amount of time. Uh, you know, you could, Rizzo could be, Rizzo's probably going to stay, but he's getting old as well. Uh, Baez could get shopped. No one is safe. That's basically my point. People are looking at Bryant. Baez uh, still cannot hit a changeup to save his life, which is just very frustrating. He still swings for the fences instead of, you know, just trying to, like, hit for uh, hit for average or things like that. Just, you know, try to get on base and then use his speed. But, uh, yeah, he always wants to hit, hit the yaya. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Contreras, I think, will eventually be gone. And then, we'll, you know, it's just reinvesting in the youth and uh, just trying to, you know, get back 
and to having a, a stat that 2016 team where everything was driving, everything was working. Uh, but yeah, so two teams headed in a different direction with the Cubbies. Um, it's the end of an era with, you know, Theo Epstein and the 2016 team might not be together anymore. All good things have to come to an end. And then for the Padres, oh man, like last, last season we got a glimpse of what's to come. And then with the moves that Preller made, oh baby, I am excited. Whew. Let's shift to the NFL. Speaking of two teams trending in different directions, man, this was, like I said, a statement game by Buffalo last night. They are circling the wagons. They spanked the Patriots last night, 38-9. to This is how the Kansas City Chiefs should look. So they should have looked last, uh, last week against Atlanta. This is how you're supposed to look against teams you're better than. When you're, you know, when you're that, when you're like a, the high caliber team that the Chiefs are. I mean, this was just, uh, I, I don't, I mean, it's crazy to me because this is Bill Belichick we're talking about. And I know that the Patriots have had some issues, right? They had nine, nine players opt out of the season due to COVID. And like all nine of those players were impact guys. Like no Dante Hightower, their linebacker to name one, no Patrick Chung. Like these are just like two key guys that, that would be starters on any roster. So, you know, they've had some issues, but still, I mean, to hang up, to hang 38 points on new England. I mean, that's outstanding. Go into Foxborough and do that. I know there's no fans. I know the situation, but damn dude, really impressive. Josh Allen, Oh my God, man! It's it. It really is insane what he's been able to do. He went from being one of the most inaccurate passers in the league to this year being top six. He sucked at throwing the deep ball his first two seasons. Now he's one of the best at doing it. It's inc- it's incredible. I don't know. I mean, I you know you have to give credit to the player, but also. The system that Buffalo has built around, and I talked about this a lot near the beginning of the season. I compared the Jets to the Bills and how, you know, they don't, they did not surround Sam Darnold early in his career with enough uh, pieces. Where with the Bills, you know, getting the right GM, right head coach, uh, with Brandon Bean and then Sean McDermott. Then you got, then after that, you know, you, you find a solid coordinator, which Brian Dable is. I expect him to get a head coaching job next year uh my i'm crossing my fingers for him to land in, in, with the chargers you imagine brian dable with justin herbert uh you know josh allen and him they're big they're strong they can move well Ooh, it would be a match made in heaven i think so um yeah i'm excited for that but back to buffalo here oh man it, it, it's just insane when you get when every all the pieces fit together uh it, it's it's incredible and so yeah Last night, Josh Allen threw four touchdown passes. He passed Jim Kelly. I mean, Buffalo, great. Uh, He passed his franchise record for the most TD passes in a season. He now has 34. One more game to play so that he could extend that. Again, like, it's it's outstanding. I love watching Buffalo, man. Again, this is how the Chiefs should look. It's fun watching the Chiefs, but, man, there's been games this year where they do not show up to play. Last week was no different. Uh, they, they believe they have a seven-game win streak, and they've all been decided by one score. Man, you can't have that. Buffalo, right now, without a doubt, 
best team in football. And it, it, you, 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 I don't think you can make an argument. I know that the Chiefs have Mahomes, and like they could just at the at the flip of a switch, you know, come out there and blow people out of the water because they are that dynamic on offense. But what Buffalo is doing is, I mean, they they are playing their best football right now. The Chiefs aren't, so yeah, I think Buffalo is the best team in the league right now. Josh Allen, like I said, four touchdown passes, 27 to 36 for 320 yards. His last one was like vintage Mahomes. They were in the red zone about the 10-yard line, maybe even like the eight. And he drops back, drops back like 10, 12 yards, rolls to his left, and then on the run, just like stops, pivots, and throws a dart to the back of the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes a diving catch. It was incredible. Speaking of Diggs. Man, I, I I did not see anybody that liked this trade, myself included. I didn't hate it, but I had hesitations. But there are people saying, like, I can't believe you got that much. Like, they gave up that much for Stephon Diggs. He's not very good. Like, you know, he had issues with Kirk Cousins. He's an off-the-field distraction. All the things like that, yada, yada, yada. And all he's done this year is just shut up. He's shown up. Like, I guess not shut up, but like he's, you know, it's like put up or shut up. But, and he's been just showing up every week. He seems like a great team player. You see him and uh, Josh Allen interact on all the, all the time. He's constantly, you know, hanging out with other teammates, celebrating on touchdowns, things like that. And he's helped carry this team to 12 wins and uh, the first time winning the division in over a decade. So, yeah, he has 120 receptions and 1,460 yards receiving. They both lead the league. They go along with eight touchdowns. It's been incredible, man. Like I said, when you have a plan, you know, like if you're the Buffalo organization and you have a plan, right? You bring in Sean McDermott and the GM, Brandon Bean, and, you know, in 2017, and you're saying, like, okay, like, we're going to get our guy, Josh Allen, where people are saying, like, I don't know if he's very good. And then once everything starts clicking, right? You finally hit your stride in this third season, right? Everything's coming together. You know, you brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley the year prior. Get Josh more weapons. You, you strengthen his offensive line. You pick up a rookie running back this year in Zach Moss. You go sign your number one receiver in Stephon Diggs. You've got Sean McDermott, a defensive coach, where he's adjusting throughout the season as well, where the Bills defense wasn't, fire, wasn't you know firing on all cylinders at the beginning of the year. Now they're coming into their own. Now they're playing their best football. And when it all comes together, man, harmony, it is just incredible. And that's what you have with Buffalo right now, where everything is working. It's the Niners last year, perfect example, where they go from one of the worst teams in the NFL, get the second pick, you go get Nick Bosa. You bring in a guy like Debo Samuel. You know, people get healthy. The running game's working. Jimmy Garoppolo's comfortable back there. The defense is firing all cylinders with Robert Sala with Nick Bosa in there, the rookie of the year. And then, you know, you win those close games on the road, things like that. And then you go, you get to a Super Bowl. That's what the Bills are this year. It's incredible to watch. And, man, I cannot – I it, it it's awesome. I, it, I, I just circle the wagons, baby. I, I love me some Buffalo Bills. There's a few teams um, outside of the ones that I – that are my favorites that I root for. Cleveland, the Browns is one, and Buffalo is the other. Always had a soft spot for those two teams. And then maybe Atlanta, because I like Matt Ryan. Uh, but yeah, man, circle the freaking wagons. It's awesome. 
it's incredible. It really, it really is. Yeah, Stephon Diggs, nine receptions for 145 yards, three touchdowns. Incredible, man. Really is. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs firing all cylinders. Cole Beasley had a quiet night, but he's been great as well. They haven't even gotten John Brown back yet. So just imagine you had another dynamic there. I mean, they're so much fun to watch. They're slinging it down the field. They're doing trick plays. It's just, it's great. And on the other side, we have a Patriots team. Let's shift to them now. It's it's crazy, man. Like the the drop off was just astronomical. You didn't see it coming. You really you really didn't. And um, I think the best, like if if somebody asking like what happened, like like why why are they so bad this year? Well, for first things first, I addressed it. They've had a lot of people that opt out of the season due to Corona. But the second thing is. In that now that I like, something that I've realized, and I'm sure other people have realized it too, is that Tom Brady was masking a lot here. Like he was holding this team together, and I've said it a couple times now, but man, this it's very evident or apparent that that is what's happening, and that they got extremely lucky drafting. They got extremely lucky on a few skill positions that they drafted. You know, I mean, so you, you get that you have you have the goat, then you get a, you get lucky in the draft, you get fortunate, maybe is the more is the better fitting word. So you have the goat, you get fortunate in the draft, and then you have one of the best offensive minds in the NFL with Bill Belichick. And so that, you know, alone carries you to a dynasty. But yeah, I just want to take a second here. Could you imagine if Julian Edelman didn't work out? Like if he wasn't successful, because based on like the wide receivers that New England's draft, and they showed a graphic last night, I think there's one wide receiver in that bunch that like is still in the NFL. It's crazy. Like they haven't had a Pro Bowler in ten years, and like the one Pro Bowler on on offense or a Pro Bowl like position player, I think, and like the one receiver was Gronk, and he might be the best tight end in. Like, he's probably the best tight end in this decade. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know if Edelman makes it, but I mean, they're nothing without Julian Edelman. And he was a seventh-round pick the year he was drafted. Gronk was a second-round pick. Imagine if those two guys don't work out. Like, really think about, like, who... Like, can, you, can you right now name any Patriots wide receivers, like, from 2010 on? I, I, I like, sat down and really thought about it. And obviously you have Nikhil Harry this year, um, second year in the league. But I, I went back and thought, and I was, and I literally, I think the only person I thought of was Randy Moss. That year the Patriots went undefeated in the regular season and then eventually lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. That's it. I can't think of anybody else that I remember. I, I can't. And so that's insane to me. And what, what tells me is that, like, Bill Belichick, I'm assuming he holds all the cards. He can't draft offensive talent. He just can't do it. So he needs to either, A, like, read, like, like read more on offensive talent, go, go do some homework, Bill, or, like, delegate that role to somebody else. Because without Tom Brady, this offense can't move the ball and they are just so stuck in the past. It's like such a old system that it seems like Tom Brady was the only one that can make it work. 
last year, just to give you an idea, because the, again, the drop off is tremendous, and I it, something I didn't see coming. You know, I thought New England would still compete for their division, still make the playoffs. They were tenth in scoring offense last year, tenth. You know, with Tom Brady, and they still didn't have the same amount of weapons, right? Things like that. Their offensive line got better this year in the draft. Went out and addressed some needs. You bring in Cam Newton, who was a you know former MVP of the league. He still got it right. He wants to go out there and prove himself on a one-year deal. And you're 28th, 28th and six and nine. Last year, 12 and four, top 10 scoring offense. It's like, I know that Tom Brady's the GOAT. I understand that. But still, I mean, this James Mc, this Josh McDaniel offense, this system that he has, it, I, I don't think it's good. I mean, it seems like Tom Brady, like I said, was able to just work with the system and, like, it was catered to him. It kind of reminds me of Phil Jackson, the triangle offense, right, where it's like, okay, well, it's really good with Michael Jordan, one of the best players to ever do it, or the best player to ever play basketball. And that's really good with Kobe Bryant, who is also in consideration of one of the best players in basketball. But, uh, you know, when I try to do it with, with uh, people that aren't superstars or one of the best players in uh, the league, it struggles. It's like, huh, maybe I should adjust my system to cater towards my quarterback's needs, regardless of who they are. Eh, no, but I'm just going to keep my system and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to work through it. So, yeah, I think that that it's like a two-part thing where, like, Bill Belichick can't draft talent and he needs to delegate his resources better, get some scouts in there that can go and f go find position players that can make an impact. And then, two, we're stuck in this, like, old system that can only be ran by, like, special quarterbacks. And so we need to change that, too. I mean, you just look at, like, just watch the plays that New England ran last night and then compare them to Buffalo. It's like you're comparing apples and oranges. It's nowhere near. I mean, Cam Newton last night, 5 of 10 for 34 yards. What? 34 yards passing? Jared, they only threw it 21 times. Jared Stidham came in uh, in the fourth quarter, 4 of 11 for 44 yards. I mean, what the hell is that? I mean, like, what, what are you running there? It's awful. 4 of 12 on third down, 200 yards of offense only. Buffalo had 470. Uh, it, it, I mean, I don't get it. Buffalo had 40 minutes. Four, like They had the ball for 40 minutes. New England only had it for 20. What the hell are you doing? I mean, I'm like, it's crazy to me that like they haven't made any adjustments and that they're still trying to go at this with the system that they've had in place since Brady's been there since forever. Josh McDaniel's system, by the way, there's a reason why he's staying in New England. Like, his system didn't work when he was a head coach at all. Like, when he was in Denver, I believe, as a head coach there, he had a losing record. When he was with the Rams, I think he was an offensive coordinator there. Not very – it wasn't good as well. So you, if you need Tom Brady to make your system work, you got to get a better system. You can't sustain that. So that's where New England is right now. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a quick bounce back. I don't um, because I, I I can't see Bill Belichick walking away from New England. If that does happen, 
then maybe you get, you know, an offensive mind in there that can bring in a new scheme and mix things up. I I don't know. I don't, I can't see it. But I mean to not have a Pro Bowl wide receiver in over a decade. And Nikhil Harry, like I said, he looks like he's going to be a bust. I don't know if I can fault him immediately because, I mean, maybe the system has something to do with it too, but man, it's crazy to me. So congrats to Buffalo. Cannot, I mean, I, I love Bill's Mafia. Love me some Josh Allen. You go, Stephon Diggs. Prove all the haters wrong. But with New England, again, it's crazy to see that these, you know, these teams that have been dynasties throughout my entire life are now no longer that the shadows of their former self and they got to start over and it starts by drafting a goddamn wide receiver that's good please or like you know please or just like change your system man get more creative come on mcdaniel you seem like a smart guy you've been in the league for several years adapt to your players please that's what matt nagy started to do with trubisky they started being able to run the ball and now they got a chance at the playoffs Speaking of, ooh, nice transition, John. Let's talk about the playoffs. So, it's getting crazy. We got a lot of scenarios now. It is, uh, it's coming down to the nitty-gritty. We only got one more week of football. It's very sad. But, uh, you know, we got playoffs still, but the regular season's always almost over. And it flies by so quick, man. It really does. But let's start with the AFC, all right? Kansas City, they are top with a 14-1 record. They have clinched the first round bye. In second is the Buffalo Bills at 12-3. In third, we got the Steelers in 12-3. In fourth, the Tennessee Titans at 10-5. Miami's in that fifth spot at 10-5. Baltimore's in that sixth spot at 10-5. And then in that last playoff spot is the Browns in 10-5. But the Colts are still in it, though, because they also, guess what their record is? Yep, they're 10-5. Buffalo right now holds the two seed because they have the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. Tennessee holds the four seed because they have the better division record over Indy. And uh, yes, let me let me let's go a little bit more in depth here. So I was uh, yesterday. I said that Buffalo wasn't playing for anything. Uh, I was wrong there. I um for whatever reason I forgot that Pittsburgh had twelve wins and that they were tied with Buffalo. So, um, they, they are playing for the two seed right now, uh, Buffalo and Pittsburgh are, uh, now the Steelers have already come out and said, Mike Tomlin came out and said that big Ben's not playing next week. Uh, so it's going to be Mason Rudolph at quarterback for them. They're still going to play a bunch of starters. So, I mean, they'll still be competitive and Rudolph has been, he, he's, he has a couple wins as a starter. He can get the job done. Uh, the bills, because of that, they might play all of their guys against Miami this week. So, yeah, that's what they're playing for. There is something to play for. You can't get the first round by, but you can still lock down the two seed with a win next week. Let's move over. Let's talk about these uh, 10 and 5 teams, though. We have, what is it, five of them? Yeah, one, two, three, four. We have five 10 and 5 teams. And uh, the scenario is pretty simple here, but. Uh, a lot could happen. I'm loving this expanded playoff, by the way. It seems it, it seems great. Uh, you had just two more teams, and we have so much chaos in Week 17. It is awesome. So, let's start with this. Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland. They have the 5, 6, and 7 slots right now. 
if all three of those guys win, they are in. Indy, who had a huge opportunity last week because the Titans lost, if Indy had hold on, if Indy had held on to beat Pittsburgh, they'd be in that fourth seed right now. But they didn't, and so now they're on the outside looking in, and they need help. So Indy has to win this weekend, and they need either Miami, Baltimore, or Cleveland to lose. And if that doesn't happen, they can still get in if they win and Tennessee loses. So Miami plays Buffalo. If they win, they're in. If they don't, then they need Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indy to lose. Baltimore plays the Bengals. If they win, they're in, or they need Cleveland, Indy to lose. Cleveland plays Pittsburgh. Uh, like I said, they should have their weapons back, their wide receivers. They're probably going to go out there and get the win. Uh, no Big Ben, like I said, Mason Rudolph under center for the Steelers. So if the Browns win, they are in. Or if the Colts lose, they're in. Or if the Titans lose, they're also in. Tennessee plays the Texans. And after that J.J. Watt speech, they could be fired up. So that's not a gimme as well. Um, the Colts, like I said, they need help. They play Jacksonville. If they win, then they are in. Oh, no, sorry. They If they win, that's part one. Part two is they need neither the Dolphins, the Ravens, or the Browns to lose. Or if that doesn't happen, they need Tennessee to lose to the Texans. So just to quickly recap, if Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland win, they are in. Indy, they need to win, and they need help. All right, let's move over to the NFC, where it is just straight shenanigans so sitting atop with the first round by we got the green bay packers with their statement win against the titans they are 12 and 3 behind them is the saints at 11 and 4 seattle's in that third spot with 11 and 4 record as well seattle is below the saints because new orleans has a better win percentage in conference games in that fourth spot is the washington football team with a six and nine record they have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys. That's why they're in that slot. The, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they clinched with their win against the Lions. They are 10-5 and five in that fifth spot. In the sixth spot is the Los Angeles Rams at 9-6. and six. In that final playoff spot, we got the Bears because they have a better win percentage in common games this year against the um, compared to the Cardinals. On that eighth spot, we got the Arizona Cardinals at eight and seven. Um, Dallas is in that ninth spot right now, but they don't, the only chance they have is if they win their division. And we will get to that, I promise you. But let's start with the other teams here. So, because Seattle beat the Rams and now clinched the division and have an 11 and four record, Green Bay has not clinched the first round bye. They have the tiebreaker against the Saints because they beat them earlier this year. But if Seattle wins this weekend against the Niners and Green Bay loses to the Bears, then Seattle would move ahead because they have a better win percentage in common games. Um, they have both played Minnesota this year, the Vikings. Seattle beat the Vikings. Green Bay plays them twice because they're in division, but they lost once. So Seattle's win percentage against the Vikings is 100%. Green Bay's is 50%. So, therefore, <laughs> let me put on my, uh, fix my glasses here. Seattle would move ahead of Green Bay and get the first round by. 
Actually, I'm not. Actually, I think I think the Saints would get it. Actually, sorry, they'd move to the two seed. Green Bay would go all the way. Actually, how would that work? I think Seattle would get it if they went twelve and four. Yes, Seattle would get it. Excuse, yeah, sorry. Seattle would get the one seed. Green Bay would get the two seed, and then the Saints would get the three seed. So the Packers are playing for something, which is bad news for the Bears because I was thinking, all right, Rams win, and then Packers are going to sit people week 17, and then the Bears, all they have to do is win, and then they're in. That didn't happen, though, so it's kind of a bummer. Speaking of Chicago, despite, you know, the fact that Green Bay is going to play, I mean, they control their own destiny, right? They've been on fire. They got to do, and as a Bears fan, all right, this is where I, I'm extremely nervous, and this is where I've been disappointed throughout my entire lifespan. Like, the, you know, we had double doink two years ago. We had last year, which was just a shit show. And then this year was just a cluster because it started out so hot, and then we didn't know how to play offense. And then we figured out how to play offense, but it might, offense, but it might be too little too late. So here's what the Bears need, okay? If they win, they're in. Straight up. So they control their own destiny. If they lose, then they need Arizona to lose, and then they're in. If Arizona wins and the Bears lose, they are out. The Rams, now this is where it gets really interesting, because the Rams have lost two straight. Like oh, that, that loss against the Jets is brutal, because now they might not make the playoffs. Because... Jared Goff, and this is what sucks for the Bears as well. Not only did the Rams lose against Seattle last weekend, but they also lost Jared Goff for this next game. And just to make things even better, Cooper Cup is now on the COVID list. Now, there hasn't been a report saying that he has it, so he could just be a close contact. If he's a close contact, then he just has to test negative um, for these next five days, and then he'll be able to play on Sunday. If he has it, then he's not going to be able to play. So that's going to be something to look forward to. But Jared Goff is a no-go. He had surgery on his broken thumb. And so it's going to be John Wolford at quarterback for the Rams. He has not taken a snap in the NFL. Behind them, though, the Rams went out today and they signed Blake Bortles. He was on the Broncos practice squad. They brought him back. Bortles, the boat, he was on the Rams last season. So he's familiar with the offense. So we could see Bortles in there if Wolford can't get it done. Because, again, it's a must-win game for the Rams and the Cardinals. So, if the Rams cannot win this game, right, and the Bears win, then the Cardinals, who obviously would beat the Rams, because that's who they play, and the Bears would get in, and then the Rams would be out. And that would be that would be just horrific because they I think they have one of the best defenses in the league right now and they would be losing three straight and be out of the playoffs so just to quickly recap if the Bears win they're in if Arizona loses they're in if the Rams lose to the Cardinals and the Bears win then they are they are out if the Rams win they're in and the Bears are in. So Arizona has to win. Arizona has to win and the Bears have to lose in order for them to get in. 
All right, cool. So come on, Bears. Come on, man. That you can salvage this season, which I don't know long-term if that's what I want because Matt Nagy will probably get retained, but he might get retained regardless of how the season ends. And they might they might pick up Trubisky's fifth-year option. So it might be another year of this hell, but I still want the team to make the playoffs. It's like, I can't quit the Bears, man. I can't do it. Let's move real quickly to the NFC East, and then we'll get out of here. So, the Sunday night football game is going to be the decider. Now, the reason that that game got moved is because um, it's going to be the Washington football team against the Eagles. That, the reason that game is going to be played on Sunday night is because it allows no competitive advantage. If that game is played earlier in the day, then based on that, the Giants and the Cowboys could either like sit players or, you know, not care about the result. But since it's at, since it's late in the night, it doesn't screw anything up. And, like, play, you know, you have to go in and play your hardest. Okay, so it comes down to three teams in the NFC East. Washington, Dallas, and the Giants. Philly, with their loss last week, they are out, but they still have a role to play because all these teams play each other. So Washington, they're in the driver's seat. If they win, they are in. Now, right now, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, and there's been a lot of turmoil there. Dwayne Haskins last week with his shenanigans. Then he just got released yesterday. So, I mean, it's it's chaos. So, if Ron Rivera is able to pull this out, I mean, remarkable. He's already, in my consideration, up for coach of the year because, I mean, for one, he's battling cancer. And just to be able to, like, even get Washington in a position like this through all the controversy is remarkable. But... Alex Smith is still questionable with a lingering calf injury. If he can't go, it's going to be Taylor Heineke, who looked okay uh, against the Panthers last week. Let's move to Dallas, though. So Dallas and the Giants, they both play each other. If Dallas wins and Washington loses, they're in. Same for the Giants. If the Giants win and Washington loses, then they are in. So it's going to come down to two games. Dallas for the Giants, whoever wins that game has a chance if the Eagles can beat Washington on Sunday night football. Okay? So there you have it, folks. Those are all the playoff scenarios. I think I did a better job this week than I did last week explaining these. It's incredible. So, yeah, just to quickly recap both things. In the AFC, if Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland win, they are in. If... Indy needs help. If Indy Indy has to also Indy has to win, and they need Miami, Baltimore, or Cleveland to lose, or they have to win, and then t- the Titans have to lose. In the NFC, the Bears control their destiny. If they win, they're in. If the Cardinals lose, they are also in. The Rams, if the Rams win, they are in. But if they lose and Arizona beats them and the Bears win, then they are out. Arizona, they have to win, and they have to, and the Bears have to have to lose. I don't know. If if they win and the Bears lose, then the Rams are in. Sorry, I messed that up. Arizona has to win. Straight up, or they're out. That's what it is. Okay, boom. And then the NFC East, if Washington wins, they're in. If Dallas wins and Washington loses, then they are in. If the Giants win and Washington loses, then they are in. Okay, that is it 
for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all the support. If you like this video, feel free to share it with friends, families, coworkers, all that fun stuff. Hey, tomorrow, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Uh, maybe AJ Peller will sign somebody else. Oh, my God, it's been so crazy. Blake Snell and you, Darvish, baby. They're Padres. Let's go. Uh, so, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, probably mention some, maybe maybe we'll talk some basket hoops. I don't know. There might be more uh, San Diego stuff. Who knows, man? But, yeah, that'll do it for me. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Go watch some sports. Let's go, Padres. Camu. Uh, come on, Bears, this weekend, too. All right? I'll be rooting for the – I'll be keep uh, cheering for the Bears probably each, at the end of each episode. Uh, but, yeah, man, go watch some sports, like I said, and uh, I will see you in the next one.